honored and humbled to stand before you today as a general manager of the Houston Texans. Our goal is to build a program that centers on being selfless, willingly accepting challenges, which we unquestionably will face and have faced and will continue to face each day. Always put the team above yourself. Nothing is, nothing will be more important than the team. Others before self, team before I. That will be the mindset and that will be the expectation for everybody that walks into the building on a daily basis. Welcome into the second part of my discussion with Brandon Scott from Radio 610 talking the hiring of Casario and the general problems facing the Houston Texans right now. Can Cal fix it? Part 2 of 2. You know, there's always rumours and I think the Eagles firing Peterson yesterday took a bit of heat off Houston because they've got obviously issues in the background and people unhappy. So I think that that was probably timely for us just to maybe take us out the cross here somewhat. But then when you look at the first two people they've gone to, Robert Sala and Arthur Smith, two guys, one of which, the latter which we've put a request in for, but not necessarily, well, we've not actually scheduled an interview yet. Now the Titans are out of the competition, so there's an opportunity to, but I just thought it was interesting. Their first two guys publicly credited with were these guys. Why are we not in the race for those guys? What do you think? Yeah, it, it it's it's curious. It's curious why we wouldn't be. I, I think that that's that's the other part of this conversation. Uh, you know, with especially with Deshaun Watson, you know, having some frustration with them not interviewing Eric Bieniemy, um, who, who I don't necessarily think like has to be the guy or anything like that but you know if if your quarterback likes him you know you should probably at least you know make a phone call or something like there there needs to be something there Robert Sala very surprising to me that uh especially with what he's done this season and the circumstances under which the 49ers defense is played under I do not see how he doesn't get a look how he doesn't get a phone call um it, it, I mean it's odd it's odd now I think that there was some encouragement in the idea that they would reset that they would reset their head coaching search. Um, on the one end, you could be encouraged by that because you could think, oh, well, they haven't reached out to the guys that you think they need to reach out to. <laughs> but they could also go the other direction. And I think that's what, a lot of what we see. They're, we're starting to see names that we didn't even expect to ever see or hear about. Um, so, yeah, no, the, the why they haven't reached out to, to, to Robert Sala um, is is a curious one to me. Um, Eric Bieniemy, in particular, because of of Deshaun Watson's at least a curiosity in uh, in Eric Bieniemy. Um, I mean, it's it's an odd thing uh, how they've gone about this, and I think that that they've that they've they've really kind of messed over the idea, uh, or, or I should say, validated the idea that they're just kind of shooting from the hip. You know, that they don't really have a good gauge. Like they've interviewed people that no one's interviewed and then they haven't interviewed some of the obvious candidates. And I, you know, it's hard to know exactly what to make of that. If you have more confidence in like, if, if the, if the Texans were somehow like on the cutting edge of, you know, of, you know, football administrations, you know, if they were like the Astro, the Houston Astros of several years ago, you might be like, Oh, what are they doing They're They, they, they must know something that we don't know. But because of what we understand and know about the Texans and and their incompetence, you look at it and you're like, oh, here they here they go, kind of 
uh, wetting the bed again, so to speak. So it, it, it's it's an odd thing. Now, I will say that they're still talking to agents. There's uh, coaching agents. Um, they're, they're still going to do more interviews. There's more news that's going to come out. We haven't seen all the candidates. They haven't. You know, I know there's been some speculation of, hey, do they have do they already have their guy from, from based off of how Cal's talked in some of these interviews? I don't think that they do. Um, I, I could be wrong on that. They could have their guy. I, I, don't, I don't get that sense based off of the fact that they're going to do more interviews. Uh, but if they're going to do more interviews, if they're going to look at more people, you would think that Arthur Smith, Robert Sala, Eric Bieniemy, these are some of the name, names that would be on the list, especially if they haven't been already. And uh, we'll start that process and look forward to getting in. Like I say, a head coach that – and this guy's different. This guy's different from Nick. I don't know if you can tell, but um, – Nick's a little more introverted, if you will. And I'm a little bit introverted, if you will. I mean, uh, but the head coach will not be the introvert. The head coach will be the one that will be really uh, communicating our message, communicating our vision. Uh, and that's the person the fans will see the most. And so they'll gravitate towards him. The team, he'll be constantly talking to the team and explaining that vision and communicating those things. And He'll be the leader, the leader of our group, the leader of men. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, he'll give a speech and they'll all want to run through the brick wall for him, which is all what we all want. I, I just sat last night and I just sat and watched the press conference of every single one of these candidates. And, you know, can you see a head coach and you take those comments by Cal McNair saying about, you know, and it, it looked like he basically referenced whether it was a Freudian slip or it was just poor use of tense, I don't know. <laughs> I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past either based on his communication ability that we saw in the press conference on Friday. But, but it seemed like he got their guy, but he talked about being a leader of men. So I was like, well, who's the leader of men then? So Gerard Mayo's the only one I can have watched of those guys, I think. Leslie Fraser could well be former head coach. You know, he got the... He got the Vikings to a point, and then obviously got the, the quarterback got injured, left with Texans special teammates. Joe Webb was left at, at quarterback, and the the season kind of frittered out from there. And his final season wasn't necessarily the best. Now Albert Breer talk, touched on Staley, uh, uh, Joe Staley from the the Rams, which put on a masterclass against Russell Wilson how to defend that that uh, Schottenheimer offense. And Brian Dable, he were the two guys that he referenced that could be in for a shout, and there was connections there to Staley, and obviously we know the connections to Dable, you know. But when you when you sort of wake up on Monday and you go through the cycle again, you think, here we go, what's going to come out today? When you got Jim Caldwell's gaining buzz, which just seemed like his agent was dropping his name back in there because his, his sort of heat had died down a bit, and then you've got a sixty-five-year-old wide receiver coach, David Cully, who's been around the league for a long time and not really been a coordinator. Bar college, so you've got to hope there's names that are going to get pulled out the hat this week. But my concern is: is this just another ruse? And Cal's put his foot in his mouth and and let that slip already. And the ruse is still to is still to uh, to play out and trying to think that the general public and onlookers are 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 merely are merely there to be fooled by their by their ways. What do you think? Yeah, I, I don't understand why he had to specify that the coach was going to be was not going to be an introvert like supposedly he and Nick Casario are, uh, because that that had us doing the process of elimination. 
who's going to be the guy who, who are the extroverts that they've been looking at. And then the next day or, you know, however long later, we get the report that there's a buzz about Jim Caldwell, <laughs> like the one the one coach maybe who's not an extrovert, who 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 literally gives off introvert vibes. Now, I don't know him personally, but who gives yeah. off introvert vibes is the name that gets out there, that gets leaked out there as the guy who's uh, who, who league circles believe there's a building momentum or however it was worded, you know? Yeah. Like that is that that struck me as maybe the oddest part. I felt like he kind of painted him, uh, pitted himself in a corner a little bit by by saying that the rest of it, like the leader of men stuff, like somebody's giving this guy talking points. Yeah, quite honestly, and and I've I've met Jack Easterby once in person. Quite honestly, he sounds like Jack Easterby when he talks. Like he is he is talking a lot like Jack Easterby using cliches and terms like come on let's let's think about the leader of men damn it they're all leader of men that they're football coaches that's how that's how football coaching works like i don't want to hear this nonsense about a leader of men you're damn right he's a football coach like that doesn't make him a head coaching candidate to me like of course he's a leader of men he coaches football he literally leads men so like i don't i don't even know what to make of that even as a as an attribute um, but I, w- I will say this, though, real quick about Jim Caldwell. He's a serious candidate, like it or not. Uh, and we, and, and, like, I don't, I don't know how you feel, how people feel about Jim Caldwell. I know that, that there's some pushback because, like, again, he's got that stoic look on his face. Um, you know, he's, he's got the reputation of kind of just being a Peyton Manning, Tony Dungy flunky and, and you know, just a product of that. Um, and then, of course, he coached the Lions, who no one ever thinks highly of, even if they have a winning record, even if they go to the playoffs. No one's ever going to say good things about the Lions. So the stock that he comes from, I think, in a lot of ways, has people giving it the side eye. But I will say to that just for your listeners and for Texans fans, who, whoever might hear this, don't discount that report. <laughs> don't belittle it. Don't dismiss it. It's kind of a thing. They do like him. There is nothing close to imminent with Jim Caldwell, but they like him a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and in some cases, some of these interviews that you've heard of, some of these guys are going to get second interviews. And Jim Caldwell could very well be one. He could have already gotten one for all I know. I'm not entirely certain on that. But um, <laughs> it's, it, it, is, it, is, it is odd that, you know, you know, Monday morning you come in and – the names that you're hearing are just out of feel like they're out of nowhere, you know, and they're not doing any of the things it's, it feels like that the other teams are doing. And in some cases, like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, they've got really good candidates like Matt Eberflus, who was my top candidate declining to <laughs> declining to interview with them because of this, uh, you know, because of this spectacle, because of this mess that's going on. Yeah. And I, I tweeted that out. I thought I felt a twinge in the stomach when you saw the the, the outlet um, of, of Mike Florio. Look, he's not got the greatest accuracy record of Texans leaks and insights. I think from from certainly recent memory, um, not always been a source of leaks. But when you have the first one to break the Leslie Frazier interview, was the same source as the ones that are spouting out trade rumors. I thought. I Makes me feel a bit uncomfortable, but well, you know, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I think the the age of the coach I think is important, and I think you've got to strike a balance between having you know somebody who's only just a couple of years older than some of your players is probably younger than your long snapper, 
but is is not you know of a generation of 60 65 plus because i think the big big issue is and i've noticed this in that you know if you think if you think right back to the owen daniels matt Sh- did you know what matt shab was doing on his holiday was he putting it on instagram no you know times of players and their mentality and the way they look at life is different and you need people to be able to relate to that and you can't go in and think you can just getting a 65 year old coach you know get a tune out of some of these guys if he's unrelatable and i think that's probably why look mike devlin has done um sorry not mike devlin mike vrabel has done really well to a point in in uh in tennessee with with a roster bar a few i don't think it's the greatest roster probably one of the, you know the bot if you take out the you know the beast running back there's not probably a lot there but he's quite a relatable guy and he's that archetypal jock and you know like a bit like brian cushing and you don't know, like that, that can relate to you know a certain type of, of of person that's been around football their entire life, but you need something that's going to be able to you know relate to them. But for me, I think you know you were saying about having Eberflus as your number one. I think Arthur Smith. When I think about red zone efficiency, when I think about game script packages at the start of games, all two things we've been chronically bad at, and a lot of that's come down to scheme. Um, and you think of you know the, the the coaches he's been around, Mike Malarkey. Um, and then you know, and all these guys that have been in the in the league for a long time uh, that that he's l- learned off the fact that his father is FedEx CEO. There's obviously a leader in there because that you know that stuff's reasonably inherent. Well, not in the our owner's case. There you go, but perhaps not. Um, but he he's got he he's got a record. I think that would be good. Um, and he was the f- second name. The Eagles go to today. So for for me, that's the guy I'd like to see. And also added benefit. So it looks like his wife's pretty religious and a bit crazy. So he probably fit in quite well. <laughs> yeah. No. I, that, <laughs> there there we go of meeting meeting in the middle somewhere. You know, I think I told you before. Like I I have no problem with there being some religious influence. It just can't get you you know, off the deep end or have you losing sight of the things that are important and the things that matter, which is actual good football play, you know, having good players and having, uh, you know, a good morale, you know, it, it, within your locker room, you know, <laughs> and all those sort of things. I, I'm, I'm with you on Arthur Smith. I've, I've liked Arthur Smith from the get go. That's another person who I, you know, again, how is he not on the list? Well, it, it, he is, it, well, I think it, he's on the list, but they've just not actually interviewed him yet, which is even stranger. Right. That's what I meant to say. I yeah. was going to correct. How, how has he not been, you know, it, it's hard to sell that, you know, and I, I, I get it. He was in the play, but you know, you can interview these guys who are working. So it's not like you can't interview them. So like, how is it that you talk to Marvin Lewis, who, who, who I, I don't dislike, you know, as a coach, as much as a lot of people, but, Let's be honest, Marvin Lewis, you know, how do you talk to Marvin Lewis before Arthur Smith? You know, um, h- how is it that uh, that that corn fairy? And I know they've gotten rid of corn fairy. How is it that Brian Schottenheimer's name gets out there that that, that that's somebody that's been recommended to you, but not Arthur Smith or again, Matt Eberflus or Eric Bieniemy or Robert Sala? You know, it, it, it makes it makes no sense. Now, again, to be fair, you know, I'm saying all of these things to be fair. They have more candidates. They're going to do more interviews. These things may end up taking care of themselves. I speculated when these interviews first first uh, started getting reported and leaked and none of them were Eric B I speculated at the time. Well, surely they're, they're just wanting to be 
the last ones to get to them. Maybe they want to make the final impression on them. That is, since I've learned, not the case at all. They're just not interested in the guy. you know. But I thought, surely, since you've heard your quarterback speak on him publicly, that, you know, and not just your quarterback, but multiple players and, and players around the league, Patrick Mahomes, MVP of the league, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, and, and you know, the, the Super Bowl MVP has spoken about him. You know, it that is that it makes no sense. You know, it makes no sense. And then Arthur Smith, especially I think with Arthur Smith and Matt Eberflus, these to me should have been guys that not only they that they brought in to talk to, uh, but should have been guys that they had been scouting all year, you know, because you play them twice. Like you should be most familiar with the with those two candidates and they should have been on the early list to me on the early list for interviews. Yeah, and I think that goes back to just the general people that are running the organization and the, the thought at the top on beyond the sort of basic level isn't there. Because you saw effectively this week how easily influenced Cal was, and he was happy with Con Ferry until he wasn't. And you can almost imagine, you know, all that leader of men and just coming, you know, introvert, extrovert type of people, what you need to run an organization stuff coming right from Jack Easterby. You know, you can almost see it happening right now. You know, you can almost, you know, you know, Cal, I think we really need to get in a, a leader of men, you know, just like, you know, whatever, you know, whatever verse or whatever, you know, he's one of reference. And, and I don't mean that in any disrespect, by the way, just you that's, no, you know, but basically, yeah. basically what, what, what it's boiled down to, I think. And the fact that it's so transparent that you and I can talk about it in those senses, then I think it shows you the problem in itself. But then you can almost imagine with Cal going, Right. Okay. Yeah. We'll take that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Easter be right. Uh, okay. Right. Yeah. Let's go and pick them up. You know. And you think that's how basic I think it is, and I think that's that's the 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 nuts and bolts of how simple it is to to influence a, a leader of a of a you know of an operating income of one hundred sixty five million dollars in its last accounts. That's what we're dealing with at the top. So you know, there's a lot at risk publicly, you know, emotionally and financially, and I think. It, it's it, it washes over Cal at times because I think when you when you think pre and post press conference, did you feel like you came out with anything more than you went in with? No, yeah. no. Uh, if anything, you know, my main takeaway, uh, you know, as far as like what we didn't have before and then what we had after was a negative or was the absence of something, which was we will not trade Deshaun Watson, like I told you earlier. You know, that was the thing that I came out of there that I feel like, you know, here's what what I what I expected them to say or thought that they should say and that they didn't say. Everything else was sort of on brand and along with the expectation minus the audio quality issue. Um, I don't think I anticipated that. But the rest of it was pretty much on brand. I'll say, you know, Nick Casario, to his credit, was a little bit more of a person than I was expecting. Um, I was expecting more of a robot. He seems like a normal, he seems like a fairly normal guy, you know, um, for the most part. I was expecting a complete dweeb or nerd or something. And and he he seemed normal. So, uh, but other than that, no, there was nothing that came out of it. I, I, I did come away feeling like Cal was, first of all, I was very surprised that he took questions, you know, um, yeah. even, even though we heard and, and were told that he would take questions. Something in me suspected that by the time the time came, you know, by by the time uh, noon Friday had come, that he would have been advised against it or at some point would have just said, hey, I'm going to read off this statement. And then 
Here's Nick Casario, fresh off of his $30 million contract, getting paid to take these bullets. He's going to go out there and do it. You know, that was more so what I was expecting. So I was a little surprised that he actually did take the questions. But beyond that, as far as the things that he said, um, I, I think it, it feels like, if anything, it was confirmed to me how impressionable he can be, you know, and, and how, you know, just, just to be frank about it, he does not come across as a strong leader. You know, uh, I don't know the guy personally, but every public appearance that I've heard, and this was maybe the longest one that we've gotten, this, this guy is just not a leader. <laughs> you know, when <laughs> Deshaun Watson tells you in the press conference, we don't have a foundation. We need a leader that we can follow. <laughs> well, yeah. there you go. There, here, here it is. The, uh, case in point. The, the, the second comment that I took from the follow-up interview, of course, it was an Texans employee, so he could get the questions probably in advance. Um, you know, and he, he actually oddly referenced running through the wall this time rather than building the wall. Yeah. Yeah, um, which would be terrible. Imagine, imagine building something and then running through it. Yeah, because that's you know mm-hmm. symbolically that's kind of what he's done. His father's legacy that's left him. So maybe he doesn't. Maybe he subconsciously knows that. Um, and I think he has. Um, you know, and I think you know. And you, I heard somebody on six ten yesterday saying about you know Bob McNair rolling in his grave, and I think I think it was set it. I'm not going to answer that. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I don't think yeah, it's I'm- far. I don't think it's far off. Um, to to have that analogy because he's just he's he's taking it in a direction where he doesn't know. But I, I think the second comment that he picked up on was of being around the the league, and then he almost got a bit emotional and said, "Yeah, obviously with dad." And I don't know. It just felt like he. It was almost like he's been so long in his father's shadow. He's now in the limelight, and he's not got a clue what to do. Yeah, no, uh, this is somebody who does not belong in the limelight, yeah. uh, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, he just quite frankly doesn't, you know, beyond being not being a great public speaker. Uh, <laughs> if I want to give him any credit, I'll say like he as robotic and uninspiring as he was, he actually was a little bit better than I expected, which does not say much. Yeah, <laughs> that, that doesn't say much like he. You know, he didn't fumble over his words. I, I I just think they had a poor choice of words. Like he said everything he intended to say. They just had bad. They just had bad words to say, um, or things that that did not resonate or 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 inspire at all. Um, but yeah, no, we're talking about uh, a guy who, not just among his team and fan base, but around the league. Man, you see how people are talking around the league about this what uh what executives are saying what coaches are saying you know people pulling out of the out of the job there's there's that report that eric the enemy might not even be interested in. imagine that yeah. you know a guy who's been overlooked for however long um is black and and so i don't care what anybody says that's that is one thing working against you in a, you know in a lot of ways um and so you know, black people in this country are taught to button up and and to and to keep an open mind to every opportunity that you might get. The idea that he might not be interested, I mean, that speaks to that speaks directly to ownership. You think if they had strong leadership, strong ownership here, that he would that that report would even come out, whether it's true or not. Um, you know, like that that is just it's all indicative of a guy who is in over his head. Like I don't, I like I think Cal is probably. He seems like a good guy. He's probably actually a, a good person, but he's not a leader. 
He's impressionable. And he's allowed someone who is no more qualified to do the job than he is <laughs> to come in there and tell him what to do. Um, and, and so, yeah, no, it's it's it, it is troubling to consider. And, and you can certainly understand why Deshaun Watson would be unsure. It's it's the, the longer term ramifications. And I mean, if you think back to last free agency, supposedly Chris Harris Jr. turns us down for less money to go and sign in L.A. And I'm sure there's probably a number of examples of that. And you think it's the, the reputational damage. It's, you know, it, you know, there's often a saying it's going to take you twice as long to build it up than it did to break it down. And I think that's potential reality in a position where we're looking to rebuild and find quality value free agents. Draft less so because the player's got no choice. Um, but I think in free agency, in particular, this head coaching search that needs to find a, a, a positive note to start enter this offseason with. I think all the stuff that's gone on in the last week, and there's been a hell of a lot, tried to outline it that right at the start. It feels like that's going to, the, the, the reverberation of the waves of this is going to be felt for some time. Hey, so can, can we play a quick game real quick? I have my Google Doc up with right. the questions with the questions that I was going to ask Cal McNair and Nick Casario. These are questions that I didn't get to ask in the press conference that, and, and I'm, I'm being honest with you. I, I wrote this up on between Thursday night and Friday morning before the press conference. So these are not, these are not fresh notes. These are all things that I was wondering going into. Okay. Yep. And I think this speaks to the points that we're making now and the conversation we're having now. Question for Cal. And I have in parentheses, this could be for both of them for Cal and Casario. What's your sense for the Texans' reputation around the league among players, coaches, and front offices? That's a question that I would have loved to have gotten their honest answer. Now, I don't know if they would have fumbled it, how they would have handled it, but it's a question that I feel like would have been fair and probably should have been asked, considering how much time that we got with them. He would have, he would have deflected probably and said, you know. Uh, yeah. You know. Um, yeah. And then, and then the, another one. Aside from having Deshaun Watson, What's appealing about the Texans? Now, we would have gotten a rosy answer. Yeah, we're committed probably, to excellence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> Some yeah, bullshit. Right. right. But but I think more than anything, and one of the reasons why I probably wouldn't have maybe not have gotten to that question, it would have been lower on the list and actual getting get into it because it sounds like a loaded question. Mm -hmm. But but it's something that the rest of us can kind of, you know, away from the press conference setting, we're saying, hey, aside from Deshaun Watson, you know, <laughs> There, we might love the team, but there ain't really a reason for anybody else to, you know, um, another question. And I won't give you all of these, but just, you know, just no, sure. kind of give no, no. I'll do, I'll do my best impression account and answer. It. <laughs> this is where my mindset was, you know, heading into the press conference. This is for Cal. Where do you get your advice from when it comes to running this football team? And I mean, before Corn Ferry and before that group of advisors that was announced, who has your ear? Fuck yeah, that would be the... <laughs> I would have loved to have seen that one answered. Uh, and, and I hate that that's not the one that I went with. I should have actually gone with that. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, another one in parentheses, or I'm sorry, in, in italics that I wasn't sure if I would ask or not, but it's just here in my notes. How much is faith playing a role in the decision making on this football team? Yeah. You know, um, I, I'd love to know, um, you know, because it, it, it feels, you know, it feels that way. Yeah, the, uh, the Brian Smith one, just before you go to the next, I, was, I, I wrote down just before earlier in my notes, and if, 
the way I, you know, with obviously hindsight's great. And as I said, like, you know, Brian probably got caught up in the moment because I felt it like in my gut, yep. man, you know, when he asked it. And, and I, I thought the, the, the best way that could have been asked, do you realize your ownership is under serious question the longer Jack mm. Easterby's in this building? Mm. Mm. That's what I would ask. I don't think they'll ever give me press credentials because I've asked a few times. And uh, that is the more, let me say this, that is the more direct version of some sort of combination between what Brian and and myself and Vanessa asked. Like that, that probably could have, could have succinctly asked the questions, the three questions that we were asking, (laughs) I I think. Yeah. Um, uh, Another one real quick to throw by you. Um, when J.J. Watt is walking off the field to end a 4-12 and season and he's apologizing to Deshaun Watson on the team's behalf for wasting one of Deshaun Watson's years, how does that strike you? You know, like I, I'd, love to, I'd love to know what does the owner think when one of his superstars who's aging tells his younger superstar that they've wasted a year and the whole world can hear it now because it's on Twitter. <laughs> you know yeah that was right. that was that was upsetting i think in many ways uh i don't think they probably knew they were being filmed i don't know if it was a boom mic picked it up but yeah that was tough that one because you think it it's true that this season we've just played regardless of you know and that and we've not touched on that but that one score fallacy they kept rolling out i mean jesus i mean you know yeah. I, I mean how can you i mean who's fed them that you know, and even Casario picked up on it to a degree. And look, there is, you know, turnovers, a bit of luck in there, a couple of players, but you set that, you know, position to be that way. So the fact they got that was there. And you think of all the questions like your your view on scouting that was asked, who the head coach is going to be. Um, there was a couple of others about. And then the bit when he started padding, when, and look, and, look, and Aaron Smith's quite um, is plugged in. Um, to the to the building from the Chronicle, and you can kind of see why because he kind of sort of buddied up to him a bit, and then he just basically erased the last five six minutes of the press conference by asking him about London Fletcher. Completely erroneous. <laughs> took the sting out of it. It didn't it didn't equate to the pertinent questions that needed to be asked at that point. And and we yep. until you've got the answer of what the fuck is going on inside this building that makes you look like the laughing stock of this league of which it's pretty hard to, to be the worst. But we've seen teams have been the worst. You've seen the Browns, you've seen the Bills, you know, both in the playoffs this year, but being the doldrums of this league, the Bengals, you know, you've seen teams who their owners haven't given the right direction, being a bit heavy-handed. But we've been the complete opposite of that. And I think that the reflection that I think of, if you think of Gary Kubiak, if you think of Rick Smith, they were paid undue faith for a long period of time. Bill O'Brien as well, that the McNairs are you know, in their heart of hearts, nice people. Yeah. But they are foolish in the sense that they are overly loyal and this whole, we need to build a consensus, you know. Well, when your yeah. consensus has been directly shaped by a jumped up preacher who's in a position mm. he should never be in, that is the fundamental issue of this football team. And until he's removed... I think you'll find it hard to find hope and belief that the the corner will be turned because there's no reason to when you when you see he's the guy that's chipping away at the foundations regardless what Casario builds. There's a detractor right there and yeah. then 
and so he, you know, and it's so bad at times. I think Casario could get the best value for every single movie he makes and get some really good. You know, remember when Quentin Demps came in and he, he picked up right before the season. He had about seven interceptions. I think it was twenty sixteen. Mm. You know, examples like that. You could have three or four of them right across the roster on teams on on offense. You know, a, a running back that just explodes. It's never had a chance. You could have all that stuff come together for you. Mm-hmm. And it might yeah. still not happen because if you've got that culture, you can't get rid of. So you are speaking to, I've got one more question. Go for it, man. And you are speaking to, and you correct me if I'm wrong here. I feel like you're, you're speaking to accountability now. Yeah. So, so another question that I had down and I was going to preface with this. Here's the question that I wrote down in my Google doc. JJ Watt has talked about wanting to reconnect with the fan base, clearing the tension yeah. and getting everybody pulling in the same direction for Cal. How do you hold yourself accountable in all of this? And how can you ease the concerns in your locker room, especially among the better players? You know, uh, point blank, you know, we got a text during one of the shows I was filling in on Sports Radio 610 that said, too bad you can't fire an owner. Yeah. (laughs) Because if you could, you would at this point. You know, like if if we're honest, and another version of this question would have been, hey, Cal, how would you assess your own performance as the chairman and CEO of this team since your father's passing? You know, um, and, and those are those are questions of accountability, not necessarily answers that I think would would have. You know, I was talking to Aaron Wilson about this privately. You know, we, we want to ask questions that. And I, and I know we were just kind of killing him for asking about uh, whatever the hell he's asking about at the end. Yeah. But we want we want to ask questions that bring you good answers. Yeah. You know, whether the question itself is good or not, we want the answer. Yeah. We we're here for the answers, you, right? You felt like saying like I could not give a flying whatever about what London <laughs> Fletch used to be a backup quarterback. This team is burning to the fucking ground at the minute in terms of public perception. You're asking about some chum at John Carroll or whatever, you know, a school I never even heard of until last week. You know, and you no. think it's just, <laughs> you know, and you're sitting there and you're going, you know, there's so many things that need to be that you would have probably, I mean, don't get me wrong. You could have had every single reporter could have said to him in a, in a roundabout way, why have you not fired Jack Easterby? Why is the person who co-signed on crippling deals still in this building? Yeah. Well, there's a. I'm. I'll tell you this, yeah. and just some insight for your listeners. There's a long play for a lot of people in the media. We're all, if I'm just honest with you, we're all diplomats in some kind of way. Um, and I, and I and I don't think that's something that y'all want to hear. Um, that doesn't appease anybody. And I, I think all of us try to stick to our instincts as journalists. You know, now we're not we're not all playing the same kind of role. Uh, the same type of journalism. Um, you know, uh, and, and we're 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 we don't have the exact same purposes. They're similar, though. We are all there to get good answers. Um, but there's also uh, an element to this about cultivating relationships and, and making a long sources, play and having yeah. an understanding sources and who's going to be here. Think about that. You guys got to think about that, too, when you're thinking about the guys that are or the guys and gals that are in the press conferences asking questions and the questions that are asked. Part of that, that part of the thing that we have to calculate as well is. Who's going to be here? Who will I be asking questions to for the foreseeable future? And look, I'm not saying I'm trying to go up and cozy up to Jack Easterby, but I will tell you 
that's somebody that's going to be here. Now, I don't know if I'll ever get to ask him questions publicly, but yeah. he's going to be here, you know. Um, so we, we were doing somewhat of a brave thing by questioning him the way we did, because we all have the same questions and, and concerns. And of course, the, the fan base is, is probably even more passionate about it, about this issue with Jack Easterby. But make no mistake about it. And I said it, I've said it maybe twice or maybe three times already. He's firmly in power, firmly. He's going to be around. So it, it's probably not in our best interest to bark up the tree, but you got to ask the questions that need answering. Um, there is this element of, let me personalize this guy who's, uh, who's getting these darts thrown at him. Let me, let me soften up this guy who hopefully I get to talk to again before the draft or you know, the next you know, meeting, whatever meeting, off-season meetings happen in Indianapolis and all that type of stuff, scouting combine and whatever, whatever opportunities that you get to get a hold of the GM. There's this there's this desire for him to remember you as the guy who either asked a really good question that he thought was insightful and that <laughs> and that didn't bother him or one that made him feel comfortable, you know, and, and, and in less pertinent times, I do that myself. Right. You've heard me. I've asked Deshaun Watson about the music he listens to and things like that. But those weren't in the moments where the, the franchise in the moment felt like it was burning to the ground. Yeah. And, and, you, you know? and you said to me before, like, I don't ask questions for the sake of asking questions but there is there is sometimes you know there's a there's a an awareness of what you know people had a, a right to hear because ultimately yep. you know of that 136 million i think some 110 roughly is television sponsorship income and the rest yep. is all hard-end dollars by you know like fools like me you know that have bought you know more you know stuff than you'd ever want, you know, and you think you, you've, you've invested in, in, you know, and if I think, if I think if I added up all the flights and all the tickets that I bought on secondhand markets and all this kind of stuff, yeah, it's times like that you just think, what am I doing this for? And that was the reason why this podcast was called Turn Up For What? Because you thought there's been plenty of times and I thought, what am I doing here? But I don't think there's ever yeah. been a week that's, come together in such a sinister way that the fact you thought actually it's not that the team are bad it's not that the team aren't that good but they're trying to win it's the team has potentially got a problem right to its very very core of the people that are running it and the toxic influences that certain individuals are bringing in you think when it's when it's gutted to its core like that when the rot sets in deep it feels like there is no option to move on. And until something radically has to change in the next couple of weeks for people to even have a reason to believe, I think. Yeah. And and I don't, you know, not to be the bearer of bad news, you know, um, I I think the best way for fans to approach the foreseeable future is to hope to God (laughs) <laughs> or whatever you believe in. I, I didn't mean to make, <laughs> I, I'm not trying to push those buttons, but hope whatever you believe in yourself, I don't care that Nick Serio is competent because I do think that competence can save the Texans. It's the only thing I think that can save the Texans is actually being good at your job because let's, 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 let's point this out. Just to be fair to Jack, you should be real quick. If the guy was good, if he knew what he was doing, if, if for some reason he was a czar or or was able to to step out of the pulpit and immediately into the personnel room and group and, and, and start 
drafting his tail off and, and, and making good trades. Like, if he was good and effective, we wouldn't care about the other stuff. We wouldn't care, you know. Um, that That is the problem, is that these things that don't have anything to do with football are interfering with the football and having an adverse impact. If you, if they were able to piece all of this stuff together, you know, if it was, uh, you know, if they, if, they, if they were able to be Dabo, you know, Cle- you know the, the, the Clemson way. Dabo gets a lot of heat. Dabo Sweeney at Clemson University, where Deshaun Watson played, gets a lot of heat for the influence of religion and, and things of that nature, especially at a state university. You know, the concept of separation between church and state in 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 uh, in America. Yeah. But you know what? They uh, they allow it because my man wins. My man's competent or is at least hired competent people around him, whatever. The, the end result is winning production. So all you can really hope for, because if you're hoping for Jack Easterby to be fired, like Jack Easterby is going to have to do something that betrays the trust of the McNairs. Uh, it, it can't be it, it, it's not going to be able to be his incompetence because he's shown that and the McNairs are either forgiving of it or just as incompetent and, and, and see his view or whatever it is. You know, like that's not enough. He's going to have to do something personally. I believe, and maybe perhaps professionally, but it's going to have to be personal and something that really gets him fired is, 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 is not, is not going to be a football thing. You know, yeah. uh, he's going to have to betray their trust in some way. And that's the only way to get rid of the guy. As long as he has their trust, he has his power. He has his position in the organization. So from that, from there, the only place you can go to is to Nick Casario and say, Hey man, I don't know how much influence you had in new England. I don't know how responsible you are for some of y'all's bad draft picks or some of y'all's poor trades. Mohamed Sanu comes to mind. I don't know how responsible you are for, for those things, given Bill Belichick's power there. But I damn sure hope that you got a better sense for this thing than Jack Easterby and Bill O'Brien did. That's, I mean, that's, that's the best you can do. Like, as much as you are possibly uncomfortable with Nick Casario's hire, as much as you might be bothered by his presence, he is kind of your hope. <laughs> he's your saving grace in this sense. Yeah. Like if he's good at what he does, you know, if he's truly good at what he does and sidebar, the the thing I mentioned earlier is able to put Jack Easterby in his place because of that relationship. This thing might work out. The other end of that, of course, is massaging this relationship with Deshaun Watson and making him feel like he is a part of the process, um, that he's not being ignored. Um, also, that you're not trying to pacify him. We didn't hit on this. Um, but one thing that bothered me yesterday about some of the interview announcements, and I, I'm kind of going on a tangent here, I know, but with, with you know, Leslie Frazier, um, you know, the guy, I'm blanking on the guy's name already. My guy, the, the, the Ravens guy. The David receiver. Cully. Yeah. This guy, Cully, David Cully, um, the the report earlier that they, that that Jim Caldwell is the, you know, Buzz is, you know, growing that he's the front runner or could become the head coach. What I what I want to caution the Texans and, and really hope that they don't do is offend Deshaun Watson by trying to pacify him. Yeah. Uh, with this idea that they're just going to hire any old black coach. Yeah. Because Deshaun Watson and and I'm not I'm not you know uh, campaigning for Eric Bieniemy, but Deshaun Watson's interest in Eric Bieniemy is not just because he's no. black. Yeah. It's because it's a black qualified coach. This is an actual legitimate candidate. Yeah. Never mind this nonsense or any of this bullshit about how we, we can't find enough black people 
to to fill this role or yeah. where are the black candidates? Well, here's one. We, we, we've brought you one, you know, not just the ones that, you know, yeah. but here's one that maybe you don't know. Here's one that you don't run in the same circles with. Here's the one that maybe isn't friends with Tony Dungy or hasn't worked with him before. <laughs> Is here's it, the one that doesn't act like does, Tony or talk like Tony Dungy. But does, you know, does it know? Here's one. Sorry, I need one. No, no, I'm just saying, like, the, the, the point that I'm making is don't make the mistake of trying to placate Deshaun Watson yeah. with just any old black face and think that that's what this is about. Yeah. Because, because this, is, this is not that, you know, and, that, and that's, also, that's an insult to Deshaun Watson. That's an insult to diversity in hiring practices. That's an insult to black people. That's an insult to those candidates that they're hiring. But, it, that are, but beyond that, it's, are, an, it's an insult to people's oh, intelligence, isn't it? That's, exactly. I, yeah, that's what I think. Overall, num- and first and foremost, it is an insult to people's intelligence. Yeah. You are one hundred percent because it, like and like I'm not I, and I look. I've experienced some of these issues in person in Houston and in the South when I've you know been to games and it, and it, you probably have to experience it. I think in some sense uh, for it to crystallize exactly what you probably see in a media. And if you're not from there, um, it's real and it and it does exist. Um, and but I, I think. It goes back to Cal when you saw him stick his hand out in frustration when McLean talked over him right at the start. Um, <laughs> hey, that might have been my favorite moment of the program. It like, was mine, yeah. yeah. Well, you, do you know what? And you know, what I liked about that is you saw a bit of grit, which he comes across as a big teddy bear talking, you know, in an expensive suit. But I think the, the issue of the enemy not being even looked at is because he's a guy who's never had to appease people in any way. It's always been they've appeased him because he's had the billions, you know, and he's gone through his whole life that way. So I don't think he even thinks of a sense of, look, I'm not going to hire Eric Bienemy because, you know, he's got, you know, he was he allegedly choked out a parking attendant or he's fled the scene of an accident. He's got a bit of a rap sheet. So there's reasons where you could look into that and say, no, and then you could you could say, look, if he's calling the plays for Patrick Mahomes, you take him in a heartbeat. But ultimately, he's just a, a part of the process. He is not the central part of the process. So you can make an argument not to hire him, but just give him a two-hour Zoom call, and then that be the end of it. And you say, well, we looked into it, Deshaun, and we didn't think it was the right thing to do. And then at that point, you can't really say anything. You go, well, okay, fair enough. You know, I'm not going to disagree with you. At least you looked into the matter. You just didn't just completely dismiss it. So... I think, again, it's just that lack of awareness and just that single track mindset of I've never had to appease anyone. I've never had to make a compromise in my life because, you know, if I wanted a car, you know, I got a $150,000 car straight off the lot. You know, he's all these things. It's just had his own way his entire life. And now he's in a position where he's had to, he's not like his father's had to work from, you know, reasonable, humble beginnings to get to that point. He's just landed in it. And it just so happens he's the, He's the, you know, he's the earthling there that's 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 inherited this money, and you know he could live off the interest for his, the rest of his life and never have to think about, you know, a day's work. So I don't know. I think it's a strange one. I think just a quick sidetrack, and we've gone on and we've definitely gone over time. But Dabo Sweeney, I met, I saw him at the draft, and I was pretty close to him, and it had a few at the time, and I, I just subconsciously let out, oh, that's the. That's the snake handler, you know, and that was a <laughs> that was a kind of you know this it's for anyone that doesn't get the reference. It's it's a bit of a it, you know snake oil salesman, exactly what Jack used to be, saying. and I'm pretty certainly heard it, but he kind of moved on without it. Yeah, 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 no, totally. But again, the difference there is 
production and and, and yeah. competence and yeah. Ability, you know? and, uh, and that's and, the difference because he can recruit and he can relate to people on a level that he uses you know that learning and that education that a religion can give you he goes and he goes and uses that to to influence people in their homes and get the best kids and all the four and five star prospects right across the country not just in north and south carolina to come and play for his program and make it successful it has been whereas our equivalent just pisses people off yeah and, and one one important part to note about Dabo and you know is <laughs> we're going differences between he and Cal like he is the opposite of what, how you described Cal McNair is sort of somewhat entitled uh I don't, I don't think Cal is, is bratty at all but he's somewhat entitled and just hasn't had to really hasn't had to, I'm not saying he hasn't worked for anything I don't know what he's worked for but he hasn't had to work for anything anything that he's worked for he's damn it he's done it by his own uh choice because he certainly hasn't wanted for anything whereas Dabo is the complete opposite he's much more relatable because he grew up poor and he's able to uh, and especially once you start factoring that religion part about it, he's able to to, to, to sort of speak to people on a, uh, just on a more surface level, you know, and he, and he has more relatable experiences. You know, he's he's the actual cliche of pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps and achieving the achieving the dream and all of that nonsense. Cal said at that press conference, it was only a year ago we were in the playoffs. But I think what he failed to mention was the team that we beat in the playoffs and the team that won the Super Bowl, they both did one thing this offseason was get better. And we did the complete opposite. Yeah. So until he can realise that, we're, uh, and hopefully Casario can come in and, and put the controls and structure in place, it's going to make us move forward. But until we get the head coach, I think it's all going to be a nervous wait for us for the next week to 10 days or so. I want to speak to one quick thing before we go, because you you and I think a lot of people are there is an overall question, you know, when we're trying to do the timeline, like you 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 framed it in the timeline. I think on Sports Radio 610, my colleague Sean Pendergast has framed it as how did we get here? You know, like and you were very specific on the timeline from Monday. But let's just step back real quick. OK, before Monday, before the season. And this strikes me because of and, ha, and has stuck with me, I should say, since Deshaun Watson's discontent became, a, a, you know, a, a real public issue, a national issue. Go back to last to the last offseason. And I can't remember which one, but Deshaun Watson does interviews with both Michael Vick of, you know, football fame yeah. and, and Carmelo Anthony of basketball fame. Yeah, And it's one of the two of them, but I feel like he speaks to the same thing in both of them. But find them both. They're both worth watching. It was, yeah, one, it was the mellow one I think you're going to reference. Yeah, well, at some point in there, you know, and it might be the mellow one actually, where because they're talking about Patrick Mahomes' contract, you know, and Deshaun hasn't signed his yet, but Pat has. And, you know, it's astronomical. It's got the 10 years on it. You know, it's 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 damn near intimidating talking about uh Patrick Mahomes' contract because of just how massive it is. And so we're ha they're having this conversation about Deshaun Watson and, you know, so what, what are, you're next, you know. You're, you're about to get your money, right? And, and, you know, we all address this with Deshaun. Like, do you, are you, I think I even address him directly. Like, what do you need to see from the organization to sign a deal like what Patrick Mahomes did? You know, what they got to do to get you to sign for 10 years, you know? Um, but before we get there, in, the, in that interview – he specified that, hey, you know, Patrick Mahomes is a part of an organization that he can trust. 
Patrick Mahomes has stability. Patrick Mahomes is, is, a, is in a place that he can believe in. So signing for 10 years ain't no thing for him because he knows, you know, as long as it looks like it looks like right now, this is a good place to be for 10 years. Whereas Deshaun, he said, me, my situation is different. I got to speak to my agent on that. Yeah. That's before they have a 4-12 and 12 season. Yeah. You know, at this point, DeAndre Hopkins had already been traded. But that's before the 4-12 and 12 season and before all of this stuff that we're talking about right now. But that's the way Deshaun Watson was thinking as he was negotiating or having his agent negotiate a hundred plus million dollar contract. He was thinking that yeah. at a time when he probably thought that they could be competitive because he ain't never been on a team that wasn't competitive. Right. When yeah. he's the quarterback. So that's where his mind was then. OK. So just imagine where it's at now. Yeah, you're right. And I, it's funny you bring that up because the second you said that there that he said that, yeah, my situation's a bit different. We're looking for something shorter or something along those lines, I'm paraphrasing. So, look, yeah. you do, I think that that's, that's two-pronged. I think one is absolutely holistic, long-term outlook of the franchise and the people that are running it, he's nest, him and his agent, quite rightly, just as none of us do right now, have any faith in that. And then I think, secondly, it is it makes commercial sense because, look, I mean, Signing a ten-year deal and a salary, you know, where you've seen double-digit inflation of the salary cap year upon year, you know, compound doesn't make sense to sign any more of a three and four-year deal because when this new television contracts negotiated, you've you, you know you've got a chance that the, the, the cap number is going to rocket, you know, by the biggest and it will rocket by the biggest amount it, it ever has done, and we've seen it go up some twenty million so some off seasons. So it makes commercial sense to come back to the table and renegotiate, but. That being said, it also gives you a, a reason to come back to the table and who to negotiate with. Yeah, yeah, you know, no, no, totally. I, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't have said it any better. And you know, if, like I said, man, if he was, if he was doubting things, then you know, there's nothing that's happened other than his own play that should have him feel better about his situation. Yeah, and I think this this franchise is Deshaun. So, yeah, you've got yeah, it. Without question. Yeah, and whatever happens, as I said, in the next in the next, in the coming weeks, you've got to do everything you can to make sure he's a part of that. Because if you have to start again with this roster, you're talking expansion franchise timelines of getting back to to where where we've been in recent years, and that's going to be really hard to swallow. And really hard to take for a lot of people, um, and I include myself in that first and foremost. I don't think there'll be anybody probably take it harder than me if that was to ever come around. So um, you've got to hope in some way <laughs> that we find a way through this because it doesn't look good at the minute. And you, you think you know when you can't sugarcoat this this situation. This is this is peril, and this will be the biggest job Casario will ever do in his life. And I, and and the reason why I have faith is because he's obviously a smart guy. And there's not many second, you know, and you saw Rick Smith coming in for these interviews and it's, his name has dissipated far quicker than it was pushed back in by agents and, and media outlets. So you don't often get a second chance at this. So you've got to hope that he can see sense to get this right because it's his name on the line just as it is Cal's and just as they need to do right by Deshaun. But Brandon Scott, thank you very much, my man. What a great conversation. Um, and hopefully people listen, that helped you make some sense of this horror show that we've all been being drip fed over a week, which feels like a lifetime. But Brandon, thank you, mate. 
It's always a pleasure, man. Don't trade Deshaun Watson. Fix this defense. Let's get focused back on the field. Not going four and twelve. That is my um, that is my request to the the organization, and that is the thing that I would say to your listeners to hope for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've I've got to say you're going to have some faith, but you've got to have some hope. Common sense will, will, will prevail, and we'll uh, and we'll we'll hopefully step forward in a positive light, and even give ourselves a chance to be competitive in twenty one. Because I think that's the difference that we're facing right now. So. Thank you very much once again for listening on the Turn Up For What podcast, talking your Houston Texans straight from the Great British Isles. We'll be back hopefully in the next couple of weeks to talk about a hiring of a competent and a head coach that brings some belief in the Texans faithful. But thanks once again for listening. You can check us out on podcasttexans.com, at Podcast Texans on Twitter and on Facebook.